podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Welcome everyone to another episode of Chessie Awa. I'm your host Daniel Soff. I'm joined with Buzzy. Haven't had you on in a long time. What are you saying, Buzzy? I'm good. I've been better as far as Chelsea goes, but I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, well, this is the right place because then you can kind of get that shit off your chest. Um, and then we got Babs. What are you saying, Babs? I don't want to say much, man. I don't want to say too much, man. I'm you want to say too much? I'm not. I'm not you, 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 you know when your month starts so well, you know, August ended well for me, and then I've just been hit with a bullet. So is this Chelsea-related or is this just personal? No, this is Chelsea-related, man. This is Chelsea-related. Right? Talk to us, about What's going on in your personal life? This sounds, this sounds bad. No, no, no. That's all good. <laughs> is, is, is this, is we this can get into that. We can man. hold off Chelsea hour for a second. But Therapy hour. Boy, I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah, exactly. I probably would go down a bit better with some Chelsea fans, but <laughs> boy, this transfer, these transfer at the moment, oh, I'm rattled, man. I'm rattled. Tell me, all right, so let's get into it. You are rattled. What's been the rattling thing about? Um, so, obviously, just set in context, obviously, you might not be listening today. We are talking, we're recording this transfer deadline day. It's currently, what's the time now? It's currently around uh, 1st, yeah. It's 1st September, 7 o'clock, and we have not signed anyone yet, have we? On this day, we haven't signed anyone, but it looks like Oba is going to go through. It's not official yet, but that one certainly looked like it's going to go through. We were linked with the Russian guy, who I don't know anything about, but people are so excited to get him. Um, And in regards to that deal, allegedly it's not going through because the FA are blocking it because that means that we're sending money to Russia. And as all Chelsea fans knows, there's some sanctions over there. So apparently that might happen later on down the line when we can send the money through. Um, And in terms of the other ones that have closed, today we've been linked with a whole whole host of midfielders. And it seems like uh, we weren't interested in the midfielder. I remember even Danny the Fink who, again, he's a board member, but he's also on Twitter. But I remember him saying, actually, we might not, on a podcast, apparently he said that we might not prioritise midfield for this transfer window because there's so much work to be done elsewhere. Even though they might want to make some signings in midfield, they're not going to prioritise it this transfer window. However, Tuchel said in his last press conference that um, we lost the game because he thinks we were too, too soft. Now, there has been this whole kind of civil war with 
it feels like finesse Chelsea Twitter, technical Chelsea Twitter. And then the other side that thinks we're too soft, we need more robust, hard tackling, physical players, especially in midfield. Um, and it just hasn't been prioritised to this point up until recently because the, the midfielders we've been linked with, we were linked with Sangare this morning. The Dutch window closed yesterday. So it meant that if we bought Sangare, that means that PSV wouldn't be able to get a replacement. We were also linked with Alvarez from, Alvarez is correct in it, the Mexican from Ajax. Um, again, the Dutch window is already closed, which means that like, it would have been too late for Ajax to find a replacement. And obviously Ajax has been raided. But again, it looks like the the trend is hard tackling uh, midfielder, especially after Tuchel's last press conference. We are currently linked with Zakaria, who we were actually linked with when he played for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He had a long-term injury just before those people. I think I watched him at Juventus, and I remember being impressed, but I don't know how he's done too well now. But this is where we're at. And so it's very much a scramble for a hard-tackling midfielder. And Babs, you said that you aren't too happy with the situation. So kind of give me your thoughts. What what aren't you happy about with the whole situation, Chelsea situation, transfer-wise? Um, for me, it just seems like a last-minute panic. You know, like, in my opinion, it's been an issue for the last couple of years. You know, Tuchel didn't think it was an issue. You know, he said that the middle was in a good spot, you know, the game before last. You know, and he's almost seemingly changed his mind after one 90 minutes. Or we played a game against James Woodprouse and an 18-year-old Lavia. So I'm not exactly sure what particularly made him change his mind so so suddenly, but it's a bit worrying because it just seems very it seems very reactive rather than proactive. You know, we've got two midfielders um, who are both aging, and they're both looking at they're going to be out the door next window, and we haven't done anything particular to well replace them ahead of them leaving and leaving us in a situation similar to this window. But we had to replace two um, centre backs, you know, in in in, in the same time, and it, and it kind of like takes away your focus from other areas such as the attack. So I don't know. It just seems like a very re- reactive signing rather than a proactive signing. Which I'm not saying is always a bad thing, but for me, if if your mind could be changed that quickly after one game, I don't know. It's, it's a bit worrying because what happens if Ruben gets injured a, a week uh, rather than yesterday? A week later in advance, then what happens then? And, and you have these sudden like thoughts. Then you're stuck with what you've got currently, and okay. what you have currently doesn't really look a, a, amazing in my eyes. So I don't know, right. it just feels like a panic buy, and panic. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it's come from because we haven't really been linked to that kind well, of before in a while. Well, we know where it's come from, and I'll go to you next, party, But we know where it's come from. Um, so at the end of the Leeds game, where we got slapped. Um, I think Tuchel's, his analysis of the situation was we played well first 20 minutes. We didn't get that goal. They scored. We panic. And so he just said that we need to start scoring goals when we're dominating and therefore we can be in control. Conversely, in this last game, who do we play again? Who do we play? Southampton. 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 We take the lead. So what he he said before that his analysis is we dominate, we don't take the lead. And then, you know, that's why they kind of gain strength and momentum because we don't take the lead. And then the game swings out of our hand. But this time we take the lead. Um, So 
he said that actually he's he said that maybe my analysis was wrong in the situation and he said that actually looking at it he just thinks we're too soft we're too especially without Kante we're just too soft in the middle and so that is what changed his mind so now I'm going to come to you Buzzy on this whole kind of situation maybe just this panic because we are panic look it's not even up for debate it is panic stations. It is. Yeah, we've bid on and been linked to like four players within the span of twenty four hours. Right, so it is. Right. It is. So panic. What, what do you think about it? Are you? Is it upset? You like it's upset, Babs? Um. Yeah. It's more. It's not even necessarily. I mean, I think you could definitely debate how good the different targets we're being rapidly linked to are. Um. It's. It's even less about them. It's like kind of what's upsetting Babs. I think is is this how we got here and that we got here at all like this that we need to be spamming offers at people on the last day. Um, I think it shows – so Babs, to his credit, was worried about the, the injury history and the injury likelihood of our midfields going into the season. Um, I looked at it probably, I think, similarly, similarly to how the hierarchy and Tuchel saw it, which is if all these players are fit, I think we have a good midfield. Kovacic, Jorginho, Conte, Ruben as a backup. Cool. On paper, I think that's, that's up there with, with better midfields among, mm-hmm. among good teams. Um, for Babs, the likelihood that those players wouldn't be fit was was high. And so for me, I was like, well, Conte probably, he always gets injured. Kovacic, yes, a little less. But uh, the worst case scenario happened. Both of them get injured, not only at the same time, but very early in the season. Right away, we have, we have an injury problem. And Ruben, injury-prone player, could also happen to him. And it did. Um, so looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I see, I see what the concern was. We already got here. Looking at the player profiles, this is something we also haven't addressed now for multiple seasons, is there's really no deputy for Jorginho in the squad. We don't have like a natural sitting, ball-winning sort of passer who's not necessarily in charge of creating offense with his passing. It's it's recycling and safety and uh, getting the ball up the field, but not not a playmaker. So we don't have that profile, and we don't really have the numbers. And so now here we are. I'm pretty frustrated that there wasn't a lack of – uh, that there was a lack of identifying either depth or identifying quality. And I know we had to replace center backs and defenders. That was really non-negotiable. Arguably, we still didn't do it with um, the right back position, but uh, we have enough attackers when we play wing back to play them there. And a back four, though, I'm not really sure. So that's a little disappointing. Attackers, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I know there's a lot to do, and the ownership was new. We don't have a director of football. But it does come a, It comes probably down to the manager a little more, not identifying what these weaknesses in the squad really were. And we still didn't, we, we clearly wanted two attackers because we got Sterling uh, and then Chase Rafinha didn't happen. And since then we've completely stalled out. And now another late, oh, let's get Aubameyang. Let's get Zaha. Let, it, it's, it's coming across also a little scattered. And Aubameyang might do well. I know you think he, he'll bang for us, but that, that's another one that's not, not super encouraging to me. So overall, it's a, bit, it's a bit disappointing combined with the results that we've had recently. Uh, I think that's what's creating a lot of the <laughs> depression and panic around the team. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll say my bit on it. Um, so I think number one, in terms of the panic, um, I, I'm okay with it. The reaction, I'm okay with it. I, again, one of the things that I was happy about when the um, transfer window was pushed back, because um, I'm someone that I actually think that the transfer window should be before the season, because I feel like if you don't plan correctly, you should be punished for that. Well, obviously, as a Chelsea fan, I know that, listen, these guys aren't probably going to get the right people in. <laughs> and it's true that because the deadlines moves back, it means that some deals are just going to happen later. Just in anything, you know, like we've all been at school and, you know, you might have been given coursework three months ago. 
and then you just start doing it all just before the deadline. And so if the deadline was before, then maybe Aubameyang comes before the season starts, etc., etc. But we knew that was bubbling for a while. Um, but the fact that it starts into the season, it's just like when we, the context season where we actually went on to win the league and there was panic around that time because we got slapped and then he decided to sit down and figure out we need to make a change. And then we changed the 3-4-3 and we went out and we spent 50 million on David Luiz and that got clowned and it's panic stations and all of this type of stuff. So, sorry to disturb uh, you, Dan. Sorry to disturb yeah, you. News go just ahead. in. News just in. Nottingham Forest are set to sign uh, Mitchy Batshuayi. Do you yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to Chelsea? it. Yeah, we'll come to it. We'll come to it. We'll come to it. But so in, in terms of the, um, the panic thing, I don't think that's important. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I, I think with Chelsea fans, a lot of them are like, well, I've never heard so a liquid Zachariah or Zachariah, or however you say his name, is that we didn't. We, I'm, this is the first time I'm hearing us linked with him this summer, and therefore it's a panic. Yeah, we we can acknowledge that it's a panic, but panic buy. But it's not necessarily that just because it's a panic buy. I mean, it's a bad buy. There's deals that we planned for, like Lukaku. His name was mentioned age like well before it happened. It was always Haaland, and if not Haaland, Lukaku, and we all knew that was happening doesn't make it a good signing. And so I don't necessarily look at a signing thinking, okay, cool, we actually planned for this signing and therefore this is a good signing. That's not kind of how I evaluate signings because there's been so many planned signings that have been dreadful. Um, So in terms of the kind of whole panic, it's not ideal. You don't want to be in a situation where you're scrambling around. I get that. Um, But again, when I look at Manchester, sorry, Liverpool, Obviously, I think Klopp said it himself. He said, look, I looked at the situation. I didn't think we needed a midfielder. He said, literally said in the press conference, you guys told me we needed a midfielder. I didn't think we needed it. We've had injuries. Therefore, we're going to get it. Same with Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal just really recently had injuries. They thought they were cool going season. But because of the injuries, now they're trying to buy Douglas Luiz. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I get, I get Ch- uh, Chelsea fans kind of being like, oh, why are we scrambling? We should have done this. And there's a lot of people that actually, they think that this is the, this should have been a priority. So the fact that it's happening now, I think it's okay for you to have your I told you so moment. I'm not going to take that away for you, especially for those people that said we need a hard tackling midfielder. Now Tuchel's literally coming out saying, this is, look, what we need it. So um, for those people, have your I told you. So we'll run and see how it happens now. I know that a lot of people might be like, actually, it's a, Zacharia or Zachariah, I don't know how to say it. He's I think it's Zakaria. Zakaria. Okay, cool. He, maybe there people will say like, oh, he's not the guy, even though he's the profile, he's not the guy. But um, I'm number one, I'm comfortable with the reactive side. I feel like that's the whole point. That's the whole kind of benefit of having the transfer window just a little bit into this. Um, in terms of um, the midfield kind of thing, I actually think that Again, and so this is something I thought that Conor Gallagher would be able to come in and just be a de- like a deputy or just like a fourth, fifth midfield, especially first season at Chelsea. He might have done well at Crystal oh, Palace, but Chelsea's a whole nother, whole nother level. Um, because of the injuries, he's been kind of pushed in. And I think myself, one of the reasons why he's scrambling for a midfielder, everybody's like, rah, it's panic stations. I think, I personally think he's had a look at Conor Gallagher, we all know he got sent off for a rash challenge. Um, and we remember in the preseason against Arsenal last season, 
when it looked like Connor might, Tuchel might like to keep Connor around. I remember he made a rash tackle. Um, it was against Arsenal. I don't know if you guys remember it. Uh, it but, wasn't against Arsenal. It was, it was early on in the, in the pre-season when he played. Was it not? I forgot. I forgot what the team was, but it was okay. Well, it was they, they played the orange. It was, yeah, it was, it was one. It was one of those teams. Yeah, it was preseason. I thought it was against Arsenal, but it was preseason. I remember he made a rash, a really rash challenge, and maybe he got a, a red card for, it, or maybe he didn't. But in a in a game, he like in a real game, he would have got a red card for it. And I think that I think Tuchel's idea was okay. Can Bournemouth. It was Bournemouth. Okay, I, I think yeah. his idea was. Kante's injured. Uh, uh, so Kante's been injury prone. Connor has a similar profile for Kante. And therefore, when Kante's out, I can put Connor in. But I think what he's realised so far is that Connor has a long way to go. And therefore, we can't rely on Connor to be that Kante substitute. And I think that's where he's come in and decided, OK, cool. The Connor one hasn't worked out and therefore... We need someone else. So that's what how I think he's come. To yeah, I think I think you're. I think you're probably because everyone everyone knew and said that before the yeah. season. Everyone was yeah. like, "Well, now we have Gallagher added to the midfield," and all of a sudden, that's basically off the table. So you are right as far as numbers, right? But that, that probably well, was part of the thinking. Yeah. So I think this is, this is the reason. But I think if that is the reason, then and there's a lot of suitors for Connor. I'd say you've got to let Connor go. Even if it's on loan or whatever, I just don't think it makes sense then to keep around all of these players. Because again, the more players you have, it's like seven men changing the light bulb. You just make the, a simple task more difficult. And I just like having all those numbers there, trying to keep all those players happy, it's not good. And so I, I, I would say that we should, um, if that's the idea, then we should loan out Connor. But uh, the, we'll go. We'll keep on to. <laughs> Zakaria, I think that's the way you said it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone watched him? Anyone watched him? Anyone got any opinions on his actual game? Not enough to be. I, I'm take. I take most of my opinions on him on on recent takes. I won't pretend I've I've watched a load of him. Um, yeah. Uh, I've definitely seen some cautioning about really rating anybody from from Juventus because of how they play, and a lot of players don't look good and then move and are good, like uh, Kulusevski. Um, so grain of salt. He is the one thing. So a couple things from what you from what you were just saying, which I do agree on for the most part. Um, so one thing is like, yes, we are casting around for for different targets, and like you said, it doesn't mean that's the first time we've considered or thought about or been tracking that player. Um, two, the encouraging sort of thing, at least because a lot of what we were, we were accused of over the summer was the scatter shot, uh, mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, you're in for all these players. It's just going for anybody. For the most part. Maybe a couple exceptions. For the most part, they were players who fit the same sort of profile and purpose in a team. Um, and so here it's like, yes, we're going after XYZ player, but they are all the ball-winning defensive midfield type. So like we, we have a need we are trying to fix. That should be a positive thing. It's not just any central midfielder in our database put in a bid for them. Like Alvarez, Sicaria, those are kind of of the same ball-winning, not the best passers maybe. Um, yeah. Kind of yeah, so I think well, I think you're onto something there. To be fair, with what I've seen, I've just seen. A little, I, I just went to go and watch another YouTube now because I remember it. Were, we were linked with him, um, maybe two seasons ago under Lampard. Mm-hmm. We were linked with him. His um, his stocks at, at Gladbach were super high. Everyone thought he was really good. Yeah, yeah, and then he got injured because um, mm-hmm. I remember Liverpool was chasing. There was a few teams chasing him, um, and then he got injured for a long time. So people didn't know how he was going to recover from the injury. But to be fair, like passing wise, he looked good as well. So he looked like someone that was good at ball carrying, 
tackling and passing wise. Even Sangari, I'm talking more possession. Like mm-hmm. again, uh, for, for me, he looks like a decent guy in possession. The only one that I haven't, to be fair, I haven't really checked out Alvarez, but I saw someone. Yeah, apparently he's not good. But um, from what I've seen of Sangari and Zakaria, again, they're French. Not all French midfielders are good at passing, but he's he's. They both seem good at possession. They both seem good at kind of transitioning the ball up. But again, and it seems like it's alone. Also, seems like it's alone to yeah, buy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's not, not potentially I, I, the end of the world. Yeah, Babs. What would what do you have? You seen Zakaria? And do you have any? Mm, I haven't seen him since Gladbach, and then I thought it was decent. But how much? How, seen, much see, how much did you see him about Gladbach? Like just like the, the the odd game here and there, he's like a Bayern or a Dortmund, and yeah, you and just see like that kind of like prototypical like you know, you can carry the ball pretty decently, but he didn't really strike me as like someone that I'd have as like a level raiser midfield. But I guess having him alone is probably what that um thinking is quite similar to Saul signing, you know, just like a, a, a stopgap. Yeah, but I haven't watched him as much as a Juve, so. Okay. I'm not right. sure, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just not. I'm just not um, as optimistic about. I'm just not very optimistic about the signing as, as is anyway. Yeah, cool. Like when it comes down to it, if unless you're really sh- like, unless you've watched the player, then I, for me anyway, I'm not extra happy or extra sad. It's just okay. Let's find out because he might surprise. He might be bad. Whatever. So like, if there's no experts on him, that's cool. Um, so I've talked about the other ones that we've been linked with. We were linked with Sangare, we were linked with Alvarez, and were there any other? So Mead said we were linked with Kwadio Kone, but I haven't seen any links. But is there out of any of those three, is any of you like familiar with their games or and are any of them players that actually you wish we would assign? Not not especially, not any more than Sakaria. I do I do think Sakaria's like stock at any point in any of their careers was probably the highest of them, like talent talent wise. Um, so that you know, I so. probably probably take him. Plus, it's a, it seems to be a loan. The fee yeah. the fee being quoted for Alvarez is something like fifty million. It was really high. Yeah. Um, I've seen a fair amount of him because he plays for Mexico. Um, he's he's good. I don't I don't I don't think I see fifty million player and I'm, I'm immediately wary. But I don't think he's a bad player. Um, I think people, like you said, are more reacting to the context and yes. not having opinions on on the player, good or bad. But because yeah. the situation is bad, it it, yeah. it just is coloring uh, every target. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Um, but Sang- just Sangare in France was rated really highly, like very highly. Um, and I'd even say, I'd say that Sangare probably maybe had higher stocks than. Zakaria, from what from what I know anyway, but that's just from my my view, my perspective. Um, but so yeah, that's obviously one of the main things is the DM position. We'll get to the attacking position now. We've had links to Leal. Um, that apparently Milan have been saying that they're not going to sell him unless we pay the release clause, which is 150 million euros. But um, we've had links with, to in, in terms of attack, we've had links with Leal. Obviously, Aubameyang's been a long-standing one. Um, there's new links to the pie. Any attackers that are missing? Because it seems like attack and then a midfielder have been the areas we've been tar- targeting. But is there any attackers that I've missed in that list? Not currently. I mean, I think we were linked yeah, to a bunch in the past yeah, weeks, but as, as it stands, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Um, yeah. 
Um, so in terms of, we'll start with the one that actually seems to be happening. So Aubameyang, I think, I think I've asked. It was Joe and it was me. Um, and I don't think I've asked you on the pod before. So, but what do you think about the Aubameyang signing? And we'll start with you, Babs. Um. <laughs> oh man. God, I don't know, man. I, I feel lost at this point. That's an encouraging laugh. At one point, right, we, we wanted a pressing forward. At another point, we wanted a focal point. Now it seems we want a channel striker. I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it seems as though Tuchel is kind of going with like a player that he trusts, you know, from like his past. You know, Bamiyang. So it's, it's a big call for him to, to bring back, you know, a 33-year-old striker that fell out with his old club, but I don't know. I don't, I don't have strong opinions. He, he wouldn't have been my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth choice in terms of guys to go up top. But if this is who Tuchel wants, let, let him down his own sword, man. I, I'm, I'm happy for him to get what he wants. And if it doesn't work out, you know to blame. All right. So before I go to Buzz, so you said before, at first we went to the pressing forward, then we went to... Essentially, you was alluding to the fact that it seems like we've changed the profile forward. But I just wanted to kind of clarify, where did it say that we wanted these type of forwards? So I think you mentioned pressing forward and what was the next one? So pressing forward, you know, obviously Tuchel's use of um, Werner, you know, focal point is what he literally said in like numerous interviews. And he, he said that, that that was Lukaku's from profile of striker. I'm talking about f- f- throughout his tenure. I'm talking about his throughout his tenure. So the first striker used was Werner. The second striker he profiled as that um, focal point was um, Lukaku. And then the next one in terms of like that box striker, that channel striker, that's that's Aubameyang then. So like it's been a bit of like a change in, in terms of like um, philosophy going forward. But if that's what you want, go for it. Okay. I'd only challenge that in terms of, I think... For me, anyway, when people say that type of stuff, it's like all players are different, right? And so you may look at it like, oh, this striker is different from that striker, that's different from that striker. But that's just kind of like how you view it. And so maybe with Tuchel, it's just like, look, I want someone that I can rely on to get goals. And it doesn't... Yeah, I, I get that. I'm not arguing that right. like all strikers are different. But for me, it's kind of like a thing of like, as a manager, I'd expect you to have like, you know a sort of philosophy which you're going to abide by. And but, at first it seemed by it seemed as though he wanted, you know, his front line to be, you know, pressing high energy. And then he changed it to wanting, you know, a focal point. And now he wants a different type of track. So, like, for me, it's just a bit of, like, it's just here. You're just hearing everyone in terms of, like, what he wants. I mean, you're going forward. So, you didn't let me finish, but I, I agree with you definitely. From initially, he didn't seem to play Tammy and he didn't seem to play Giroud. So, for me... Um, for you to not play those players and then say that actually you want a reference for his striker, that I wish journalists would press Tuchel more about that because for me it was almost like you weren't playing those out of all of the attackers you had you weren't playing those guys but you specifically went to go seek out that type of striker. Now it could just be that actually from Giroud and Tammy he was like look they might be reference point but I don't believe in them as goal scorers and so therefore I went for Lukaku who I thought could be the reference point and a goal scorer. Um, but again, Werner wasn't his choice and he specifically went to go and 
by a striker. So it's not like he came in saying Werner's going to be the guy. So I wouldn't attribute Werner to Tuchel personally. I definitely think that Lukaku, and he's held it, the L himself, has been an L. And in, in terms of Aubameyang, obviously he's worked with Aubameyang before. And it's like with Dembele. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, should he buy Dembele because of attitude, et cetera, et cetera. He, he knows the player in and out. And so I, I remember even before we were linked with him, when we was playing against Arsenal, um, Tuchel's always been very, very positive about Aubameyang, still saying he's a top um, striker. And obviously he scored, I think, like 70 goals in 90 starts or 90 games for him at Dortmund. Obviously it's the, the Bundesliga, but he's shown that he can score in Spain, in England too. Um, so for me, it's just that at this point, and we hear him saying it, we need goals, we need goals. So I feel like actually away from type of strikers, uh, I feel like he wants goals. And I don't necessarily think that Aubameyang kind of fits into the idea of non-pressing because again, he, his philosophy wasn't non, like at Dortmund, he was still playing that same philosophy and Aubameyang was able to play, um, in that attack at Dortmund, unless, because I'm not going to lie and say that I'm an expert of Aubameyang at Dortmund compared to now, unless Aubameyang has completely changed his game. What I would say, though, is that at, at Dortmund, um, because we were linked, sorry, because Batshuayi went to Dortmund at the time when Aubameyang left, um, yeah, so it was literally, they bought Batshuayi as the replacement for Aubameyang on loan. Um, they were saying that Aubameyang isn't necessarily someone that comes deeper to kind of get the ball and get involved in the game, but he did kind yeah. of do. It was, it was, it was. If anything, at Dortmund, it was a box striker. Yeah, well, it, not necessarily because he played from the left a lot. I think, or I think he played. Maybe I, I can't remember because I, I, again, I didn't watch it. But um, if you remember, they had like a um, race, you know, Mikatarian, Kagawa yeah. for 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 a period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from what I remember, the Dortmund fans said that he didn't get involved in play. But I don't necessarily think that means that he didn't press. But again, it will be good to get the Dortmund fans' um, um, thoughts on that. But even to be fair, at Arsenal, he like again from what I've seen is he he does make the movements that I think Tuchel would like. Tuchel, I think the issue with Lukaku wasn't oh he's not running around all the time. I think he just weren't making enough movements and as much as people say creativity creativity a striker has to do a lot of different moves and like what I hated about the whole kind of Lukaku at Chelsea thing is someone will show Lukaku make one run and he didn't get the ball and everyone's like look he doesn't get fed but really and truly all strikers make loads of run and you have to continually make those runs and I think with Lukaku he just didn't have the heart for that um and with Aubameyang I, from what I see, anyway, he makes those runs. He continually makes those runs. So I don't see him, I don't see a compromise to call bringing in Aubameyang in terms of that. Obviously, in terms of age profile, it's not ideal. Um, but we, we can get into how we think that Aubameyang will do. Now, Buzzy, I think you alluded before, saying that I think he's definitely going to bang. I think with all kind of um, strikers, it's a risk. But for me, if you was to say, if I was to predict uh, what he would get, I'd say... If he's starting regularly, which again could be difficult because we have so many attackers, um, and sometimes you to keep them happy, you need to kind of keep them involved, which does hurt people getting momentum. But I feel like if we can get him to start um, like thirty games, then I believe that he can get 
I know people say 15, but I think that would be disappointing for him. So I'd be more like 17 to 20. Um, and the reason why is just because... All, all competitions or Premier League? Yeah, if he gets 30 starts in the Premier League, then I think that he should be getting more 17 to 20 uh, than 15. Um, but again, will he get 30 starts? I don't know. Um, and especially, in, to be fair, especially in one of the reasons why it might even be lower is because hopefully this doesn't happen, but I'm really worried about the extra substitutions. Now, so far, it hasn't seemed to be too bad in terms of Tuchel just making these regular changes to the attack. But um, I think I think that can harm it. If, if the players aren't complete in 90 minutes, because you can get 30 starts, but if you're continually coming up at 60 minutes, that can harm it. But if he gets like if he gets around thirty starts and he's playing and finishing most games, then I think he'll get about he can get seventeen goals out of those thirty starts. Well, roughly thirty starts. So we're saying that maybe 32, 33, then he'll get like seventeen goals. Um, and the only reason why I believe this is because I think he's still a really good finisher. Now, this isn't to say that he does miss chances. He does miss chances. All strikers miss chances. But number one, I feel like he can. T- he's the type of guy that can score goals where it's like, okay, you weren't expected to score from there. Um, Whereas a lot of Chelsea fans, I feel like they're like, oh, everything needs to be perfectly set up. I feel like the best strikers actually, they score from half chances, all that type of stuff. And I feel like he's got that. And I feel like he's so calm in front of goal too. Um, And I do believe that we create chances as well. I know that there's this kind of whole idea that no striker can score in this team, can score like a decent amount of goals. But I don't think... Personally, I don't think um, 17 goals in 30 starts is something that's a crazy amount of goals. Um, and from what I've seen of Barcelona, because I watched Aubameyang at Barcelona, I feel like he's still kind of, he's still got it. He's still got what he's been good at. So, so yeah, I think that he could could do decent. So, I would say like 30 starts um, and 30 starts where he's, most of the games, but not all of the games, where he's finishing, I think he could get about 17 goals. Um so think, we'll, we'll go to you, Fatim. How do you think yeah. you do? So I have a few a few pronged answers there. Uh, first, backing up because it has it ties into um, the way we've talked about the midfielders is that similarly it feels like again I think actually I'm becoming a little more convinced too. I do think Aubameyang could be good, but like the midfielders, it's less about the target and more about we were after Rafinha. Great, that was the second attacker, but that wasn't a striker. That was like the chance creation dribbler guy. Uh, if we if it was clear we needed a striker, again, we left it late. Tuchel didn't think we needed one. Now definitely thinks we need a proven shooter. I don't know if he gave a few games to Havertz to try to play up top or start. It just seems like Bab said before, it seems a little bit like, why wasn't this more of a clear plan? Uh, do you have a vision for how you want to play or not? Because we're doing this sort of false nine, drifting, uh, attacking midfielder as the nine. Like it's, it's, it's a bunch of different solutions and now it's like, oh, no, we actually just need a regular striker who shoots the ball and can score. Um, that that maybe should have been obvious the whole time. I don't really know. Um, but moving on anyway, that, that aside, we can't really do anything about it now. Um, so Aubameyang, since he seems to be the guy. Um, for one thing, 17, it, it sounds a little reasonable when you say it like that. Only, I think, four players scored that many goals last season. Um, and it was it was Kane, Ronaldo, Son, and Salah. So he would have to, he would have to meet that. Uh, that'd be pretty pretty good if you manage to get 17 goals i would say um, yeah but yeah uh, so a abemiang it's like those guys he he hangs with them in the premier league he's hung with them before so like and and again really and truly i have to see the kind of starts but 
the, the guys you've mentioned in the time that Aubameyang's been in the Premier League, those are the type of players that have been around him in, in the goal scoring jobs. Yeah, that is, that is fair. He's done it before. He is older now. Uh, he wasn't good at Arsenal. You could definitely, towards the end, I mean, you could say that he fell out with, with Arteta and that was really the cause yeah, of, yeah, of the decline because um, I do think I do think it's a little different playing in the Premier League than La Liga, but he did immediately go to La Liga and score, I think, 11 in 17. So you can't really sneeze at that. Like, that is that is good. That's a really good record. We would be happy to have someone scoring at that pace for us right now. Um, so on that front, if you just want a guy who's a shooter and gets chances, and he does run, also this thing that, like, he doesn't press. Uh, I pulled yeah. it up. I know not everybody loves um, looking, you know, directly at the stats, but for something like presses per game, uh, he ranks yeah. in the – the upper percentile uh, for pressing in the attacking third. It's actually, yeah, I think was, it's yeah. actually quite, it's quite high. Um, so that's, you know, that's something that maybe isn't necessarily true about his game, but he's just, he's just lazy and standing around waiting for the ball. He does run, yeah. he does press. Um, so I think for me, especially someone who thinks Havertz could be good for us, I know a lot of people are at the end of their rope, and I also won't pretend that he's been really good enough overall in this transfer, as good as I hope so far. But I do think at least a significant portion of that is sort of, I'll call it misuse, but lack of clear role and position and kind of rotation. I think he has contributed the last couple of games. He's played the pass, the assist. He's drifted around. He's run. He's pressed. Yeah. Uh, but people want the goals. He's getting immediately put head to head with Holland for goals, as if that's the player he's always. As if he was like always a number nine who scored a yeah. ton of goals. Like Holland outscored him in the Bundesliga. You didn't need anybody to tell you that he would outscore him if they both played striker in the Premier League. Of course, yeah. um, I think he's better a little deeper. I think his transition play and look up play are good. Um, yeah. And I think playing next to this sort of striker like Aubameyang, who does yeah. run and play the traditional nine role, um, relieves Kai a little bit of having to stand in the box and try to do hold-up play and right. do things that aren't really his his game. Uh, I think the two of them could complement each other. I thought the same kind of of Lukaku, but given the way Lukaku <laughs> applied himself, um, that didn't really come... They didn't even play together all that much, I don't think. But uh, that didn't really come to be. Um I was, and and Havertz is somebody who the stats were showing. I think more in the Premier League, at least at the uh, at least the, before last game, I think it was he made like more off the ball runs behind the defense than like any player in the league. So it's one of those things like he is applying himself, and uh, there could be a world where this combination works, especially if we're going to persist with this sort of yeah, buzzy, pseudo finish, yeah? two two up top uh, thing. I think the two of them could be those guys. And what what I was just gonna say to tackle on to Aubameyang thing. So yeah, yeah, he got eleven goals, but again, like I said, he started thirteen games and he got eleven goals. I need to check where, where all of the games uh, goals came, but um, I agree. And I think with the Lukaku one, we did a we did a whole podcast, and I said why I thought that Lukaku would actually be a bad partner for for Kai. And I think um, I need to d- double check Aubameyang's stats, but I've been screaming out for a shooter, someone that actually finds ways to regularly get shots off. Um, because at Inter Milan, the reason why I feel like Lukaku was able to be legitimate at Inter Milan is because they always... Lautaro would be the shot popper. So he'd always get shots off. And then Lukaku would... He would get goals, but he wouldn't always be in the shots. Like, occasionally he'll get the shots off. And then, because he's a good finisher, he was able to get goals. But I feel like at Chelsea, we had... Havertz, who again we all know, project striker, um, and is not necessarily that guy that's going to be prolific. And so we needed really to to pair Havertz with someone that could get loads of goals. And I think, uh, or not just necessarily get loads of goals, but actually constantly be in the goal action. 
Um, someone to, so that Havertz can be deeper because your deeper guy can't always be the guy always in the goal action. Lukaku likes being deeper, like Conte said, because he likes to use his physicality to bring the ball forward. And he wasn't supposed to, he's not supposed to be the guy that stays up top. Whereas Lautaro, who hasn't got the physicality or the runs to bring the ball up, he's the one that kind of stayed up top. So I think that the whole kind of understanding and analysis between the Lautaro and Lukaku relationship was wrong. And I think with Aubameyang, it makes way more sense. Um, and I, I like the fact that Aubameyang's quite good on the ball too. Um, I really like his technique. Um, I, I like his confidence. Um, and yes, he's 33, and I know that's not sexy, but um, I'd rather a stopgap that I think that, you know, can work. Obviously, we don't know until it happens, but I'd rather do a stopgap that um, we think can work rather than spending 120 million in a rush. Because I think that being desperate, that's where you make big money mistakes. And so I'd rather be desperate and then say, oh, actually, let's get this guy on loan. You know, let's buy this old player for you know what I'm saying, for, for little money. Like a Giroud signing, we got Giroud. And you know what, Like I think Giroud should have played more. But I, I like those type of signings um, rather than splashing big money when you're not, you haven't done your homework. So I'm and cool with it. it got yeah. Alonso off the books in one, in one swoop. Of course, of course. Of course. Um, so Babs, uh, what do you think about it? Um, yeah, yeah, I feel you guys are both raised good points. Um... I guess having a stopgap isn't always the worst things. I guess it's just now waiting for him to perform. So, I mean, yeah, it's, like I said, you know, Tuchel's got his guy, you know, hopefully it works out for him. I hope it does because it's getting a bit boring not scoring this many goals. You sound very unconvinced. Your tone know, of voice, like, your tone of just, voice is betraying your words. I don't know. I just, it's just not the guy that I wanted, man. I, uh, I don't know about that. I just, yeah, hope, I, I just yeah. hope it works out. I just hope who's it works guy, out. Who, who's the, who was the guy that you wanted? Ideally, Isaac, but that 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 ship that ship long sailed. But you haven't yeah, mentioned that name in. You haven't yeah. mentioned. Yeah, that we name haven't. Yeah, we haven't made it. I we think he thought he just wouldn't move or it wasn't plausible. Exactly, because we, we weren't then, going for a striker. Yeah, and then and then Newcastle did it out of nowhere. We've been linked to Aubameyang for quite a long time. It hasn't just. We've been linked to Aubameyang for quite a long time. And Isak has been a name. I just feel like with Isak last season, because of the goals, unless you've been watching, because of the goals, it's understandable that people are like, okay, I like this player. But for a club where actually we've got a lot of strikers that are goal shy, we don't know why he's not scoring goals. So I'm not even blaming you for not mentioning Isak, but it's just like, yeah, like you haven't been mentioning him. Um, now it looks like he's a he would have been a good sign. I'm sure even people who's worked with him before, Maybe he looked at him at Newcastle thinking, mm, he might have been the one. But again, this is like this is the scout's job. It's the, and, and we don't have that kind of recruitment arm in place just yet. But but that's that's fair enough on your take on Aubameyang. We'll go to the pie next because just quickly before we go to the pie. So Harvey Val, I think a lot of people have been worried that he might leave because he had one year left. But apparently, um, Babs, you put it in the chat. He signed a new four-year deal. And now he's yeah. set to go on a season-long loan to Hull. So, you, any reaction to that? I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, Hull started the season off well in the championship, so it would definitely be a good team for him to go and, and play at. Um, so, I think him getting senior minutes is, like, the most important thing rather than him, like, wasting yeah. in the bench. Um, I know, yeah. obviously, he was stopped from going on loan um, in, in January. So, it's just good to know that 
he's not going to spend another year, you know, just wasting around. So I think that's really good for him to go out on loan and get some minutes under his belt. And I think I think with Hull, they've obviously they had Bowen, who was like a goal scoring winger for them. Then they had that um, is it KLP Lewis Potter? Oh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, um, he was scoring goals for him from the wing, and he's just moved to the Premier League. So there's that vacancy there as well, that Val can fill, um, which I think is good. Um, but yeah, just onto the pie. So it seems that we've been linked with a, just a one year. Um, apparently, we've given them a one year offer. Um, maybe to because it seems that we've been linked with Leal and AC Milan aren't budging. Um, but maybe if we get the pie for a season and we come back in for Leal, uh, it might work out. But obviously, we've got a gang of men because it doesn't seem like ZH has gone anywhere. Pulisic is unhappy. Apparently, we've blocked his move. Um, so what do you think of this link to the pie? We'll start with you, Buzzy. Uh, I, it's going to be a believe it when I see it type thing, I guess. We'll see. We'll see how, how much it comes to fruition before I before I get, get emotionally invested. On paper, um, I think that's just because we've been linked to so many players, I can barely summon the like the, the energy. Um, uh, on paper, I think he could very well be good. Obviously, we saw the United career kind of fizzle out very quickly. Um, but there was a lot of other factors between personally him and United as a team. Um, he has shown levels since then as far as technique and a little bit of, of dynamism and creativity yeah. and scoring. I don't think it would be the worst signing in the world. It would kind of depend what the, what the structure is and all that. But yeah. uh, if I heard he was immediately added to my team, I think maybe similar to Zaha, I'd be like, okay, I think he makes us better. Um, he probably yeah. will score a little. It's a little flair. So um, I'm not opposed. I am, I am wary. I think with all these signings, and I think there's also why Aubameyang makes a little sense of um, – blocking future plans for someone we really want just because we feel like we need a little upgrade right now, which is sort of something Chelsea's always done. And then all of a sudden we end up with Deadwood and end up with players we're not super convinced about. So I think maybe signing a Aubameyang, for example, you could still buy a top young striker if you want next window. Yeah, Ziyech or Pulisic, whoever, uh, whoever else has to go at that point to clear out more bodies, but they should be gone. They should be gone anyway. So I think the, I think the squad size can support uh, another good player if we want one next year. If Liao is the guy we're, we're obsessed with getting him to play wide, we can still make that happen. Um, Depay maybe makes that a little murkier if we also add him. So I don't know if I'm if I need it to happen, but um, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I guess. Interesting. Just some news as we get through. It's transfer deadline day, so there's going to be things. And obviously, if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, wherever you probably already know this, but. We signed a young player, as we've been doing. We've just been signing tons of young players. So we signed a young player called Tyler Diblin from Southampton. If you remember him, he's the one that he scored like four of the same goal, which was him like dribbling through a team and then shooting at the edge of the box in youth football. Um, we signed him from Southampton, I think just very recently, probably like months ago or whatever. But um, he's left Chelsea and I think he's returned to Southampton. Um, they said it's due to personal reasons, which is interesting. But yeah, we, obviously, we, as we get news, we'll, we'll say it. Um, okay. Um, the pie, Babs, what do you think? Um, it's an interesting one because my, I don't even know what to say, man. I genuinely don't. Okay, positives, positives. So he's a player that's ingenuity, you know, he's a trickster, mm-hmm. he can dribble. Mm-hmm. You can kind of make things up, make things out um, happen out of nothing. Um, he likes to shoot as well, which is a, which is a positive. Yeah. But my problem, my worry with him and bringing the Bamiyang is just a mess. 
that you you then have in your attack even more so. Like you've got Aubameyang, you've got Depay, you've got Broha, you've got Stern, you've got Mount, you've got Kai, you've got Ziyech, you've got Pulisic. I've probably missed out another name. So like you've got that's that's eight attackers there uh, uh, alone. So and the thing but, is, everyone's gonna want to eat. So I just don't. I I ideally want to have like five attackers there, you know, like and one of them being like a, a youngster that you can bring in and out. He doesn't really need to get minutes, but all those guys there scream as guys that want to be stars, you know. And to be, to be I'm fair, just not sure my, that my for me, especially because it's transfer deadline day, I think it's a bit difficult to kind of analyze it like that, just because it could be that they're trying to wait for the player to come in to release a player that we already have. It's just like, we've kept Mishi Batshuayi around for all this time. It looks like we're finally getting Aubameyang. Now, like you said, Mishi's going to Nottingham Forest. So there could be players that actually, they're only here until other players come in. So just on the strength of the pie itself, forgetting about the numbers and the mess just now, just because it's so much in flux, we don't know what might happen for the rest of the transfer deadline day. But just on the player himself, what do you think? Um, I think he's all right. I think it's all right. Um, for Chelsea. For Chelsea, yeah. As a signing. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a decent player. He's a decent player. He's a decent player. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. I think... What, me, what, what, do you, what do you think, Dan? So, for me, I think... I've, I've not liked the fact that our attack, our attacking three, has been more made up of attacking midfielders than traditional attackers. And I'd say tri- traditional attackers like are players that you'd normally expect in the front three. So wingers or strikers, like, and I see Havertz midfielder, Mount midfielder, Ziyech again. He's a, he's like a traditional attacker, but again, he's not a one-on-one player. So I think with the pie here, at least it's one more person that actually is a pure attacker because I prefer our a front three to be full of pure attackers. And I look at the pure attackers we have, like a. A Pulisic and a Ziyech. And what I don't like about Ziyech is, as a shooter, he's a volume shooter. And with Pulisic, I actually don't... I feel like Pulisic, wherever he goes, if he st- again, it's like what I said about Aubameyang. I think what Pulisic has shown us so far is that actually, if I can see him going to a team, starting 30 games and getting a good amount of goals. But at Chelsea, there's not that space to start that many goal games to get the goals where people can be proud of it. And I think that's really underrated in terms of when people say that all of our attackers are bad because Kane, again, last I've said this a few times, but Kane at the beginning of the season didn't score for I don't know how many games, but he continued to play. And sometimes it's like with Tammy. Everybody says, oh, Tammy scored 15 goals and 25 starts for us and that was non-penalty goals. Yeah, that's because... Lampard played him come hell or high water for the first like part, like three quarters of the season. No matter what, he didn't score for like three or four games, he's still in, etc. etc. And so, I don't think it's a surprise that the last striker to get that like 15 goals in 25, which is really good, is Tammy because he's probably the last striker that's had any sort of consistency for us up front. And so, when I look at people like I, I sympathize with them as much as people want to slate people like. Pulisic, and I know that Pulisic as well, he's had injuries, but like Pulisic in another team where we start in 30 games, we'll probably get like 10 to 15 goals and everybody's saying like he's a top player because he does have that ability to get in the uh, box and score goals. He like he does frustrate, 
There's a lot of that he frustrates on. But what happens is when you start 30-odd games, those frustrations, people allow it because they can see what you bring in terms of the goals. They're like, OK, we can live with that because we know he's going to score. When you don't start all those games, all people can see is the frustrations. And so the whole reason why I've talked about Pulisic is uh, Pai comes in. Um, what I like about him is that, again, he doesn't have to be so close to goal to get goals. He's someone that's a good shooter of the ball. Again, he's got engineering. He can, he's got one-on-one ability. He's technically secure. I think he's a good all-round player. And I like the fact that I think we need more good all-round players in our attack. And again, just from what the beginning of what I'm saying, a lot of attacks, you recognise their attacks because they've got a striker and two wingers. For a long time, we haven't had that. We just haven't had that. Last time we had that, we had Willian... Uh, Hazard, William Stroke, Pedro, Hazard and Costa, right? And we were, everybody was slating William and Pedro, but I know a lot of people now would go back to him because we're starved of having like just one-on-one wingers, do you know what I'm saying, that have decent, like, William doesn't have a decent goal return, but obviously he had the speed that a lot of people are now realising that, right, we don't have that, the players with the speed that William have. And so like, if the pie was to come and even as a stopgap, I wouldn't mind it because it brings that um, possibility of having maybe a Sterling, Aubameyang and the Pi attack, which is a more traditional attack, because I just think that a lot of the times this season, as soon as we go down, I don't think we've got the minerals to score goals, and it's just because all of the changes we've made, still we're still playing a lot of midfielders, attacking midfielders in attack, and I just think that makes us a lot blunter than a lot of other teams' attacks, so yeah, that's, that's my, my take on it. I think, I think that's a fair thing. Um, I think it's also a good point that having attackers, you know, actually playing attack, it should hopefully um, boost that goal return. And I guess bringing a player of, of the Pies profile who can um, help us in the creative aspects and also offer a goal for it, I guess that will definitely be a boost. But I then mean, I guess the, the next part is, is he going to get the opportunity, like you've just said, to have a, a consistent amount of starts to showcase and, his talents? And this is why I can't answer it on this just because I don't know if you can still loan players out after the transfer window. I don't think you can. But until I see what happens, obviously the pie hasn't come in. But I'm really intrigued to see how many attackers we've got. Um, I think it's such a shame that we weren't able to ship ZH out. He started the last game. And I don't hate ZH. But I'd just really like to see the pool of attackers we're picking from a lot smaller. Um, because just Z- I, I feel like when ZH started... A lot of people felt a bit sadder. There was a sign. And again, I don't necessarily think it's that he's the worst player ever. But it's so good to just have like some consistency. Like when people talk about we don't create chances, we don't move the ball well intact. Yeah, like we'll have a lot more cohesion if we had, you know, way more consistency. And again, I can see where these players are being kind of hamstrung. And this... Part of it's on the man, yeah. A lot of it's on the manager, to be fair. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. So who, yeah. who, who would you put that on? A lot, a lot of it is on the manager because um, I don't know behind the scenes. I don't know if maybe ZH only wants to go to Ajax or wherever. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to move our players. So um, on that regard, if the players are wanting to stay, it's one thing. But um, Pulisic apparently Bowley's blocking it rather than Tuchel. I don't have all the answers, but I just think that one of the major things that they should be working to do is to not overload the attack. And that doesn't mean mean you have to have, like, I feel like last game we played 4-2-2-2 
And in the 4-2-2-2, the attacking midfielders, stroke wingers, and then the two up front, that's four attackers. That's literally four attackers. So you don't have to have five attackers if you're going to consistently play four attackers. If you're consistently playing three attackers, then having five stroke six makes sense. But if you're consistently playing four attackers, then that gives you license to have a bit more attackers. But you have to know what formation you're going to be playing and sticking with it as your default. And then you can't have way too many because you're just going to make it difficult for anyone to shine. Um, and so that's my thing on it. I, I think Tuchel takes a lot of the blame on it for it, I think, because from the beginning when he's come in, he said that actually I like loads of people to choose from. Um, he said, perfect, I like a big squad to work from. Um, and I feel like I've seen that. I've seen it from him. I think he likes it, but I think it's it's hurt them. Um, Buzzy, what do you think? I think that's true to a degree. I would push back a little on the idea that it's all down to consistency because like Mount has played a lot and he looks just as bad as everyone else um, right now. Uh, Mount and, and Havertz have played together a lot and they're not... No, but just quickly, know. and I'll let you, I'll let you speak again. I know, I know it's more about combining a lot, not just one no, no, player no, play, playing a lot. It's, but it's, No, it's not even that. It's just that I feel like the beginning of the season, I feel like it's about four games or whatever. I think mm-hmm. that's not what I'm talking about. When I look at Mount last season, he scored the most goals and got the most assist, assists he ever did and he played regularly. So I think that kind of fits in the thesis that you know, if you play these players regularly, they're gonna they're gonna outperform or at least perform in terms of numbers. But I think, um, and and again, a part of it is if Mount continually plays, he plays through his bad form because players do have bad form, and then he'll get into the rich form. And I think Mount had that luxury because I don't know if you remember, but he did have a stinking part earlier last season. And mm-hmm. continued to play, and then he got into his good form. I just feel like not all players have the opportunity to showcase the bad form and the good form because they're not consistently played. Yeah, and this also relates to what I said about not blocking or over over bloating the attack. It's just yeah. you sign both Depay and Aubameyang, then you're, you've got them for at least a couple of years, you know, um, and then what does that do to a signing next season or a player who isn't playing much now? And then all of a sudden you have a new attack again, um, and it just seems like it's going to kind of create a domino effect of never really settling on something. Um you know, he gave Werner a pretty long run and uh, eventually just agreed that was a failure. I don't know who, who potentially is in line for that next. Pulisic and Ziyech already seem to have gotten that decision. But then Ziyech started last game. So uh, so you don't really know. Um, yeah, I agree generally with what you said. I think it's true. I'm just... Uh, the, the the group as a whole is not is not super convincing, especially in the style we're playing. And I would like to see a, a change in how they are set up but he he and we do that a little to shift to the back four um but it's kind of the same sort of ideas and it's a little it's a little stale and maybe maybe a bombing doing what we said and even Depay if that's a, if that's a thing that happens um doing what he he could do would would immediately liven the team up but tactically um I definitely I'm definitely starting to ask some some questions all right so let's talk about it because so last match um it was a surprise loss um we did play with a back four. Babs, um, formation-wise, is that what you want? The change to the back four? And, yeah, let's just talk about the check the structure. What do you think? Um, personally, I don't really care. Um, ideally, I would have it, but I think for me, a lot of it depends on the players. Like, I don't think you can really consistently play a back four with like, the centre-backs that we, that we have. 
just due to the aerial issues that we that we face at times and like mm. the athletic ability. So I don't I don't think it's like the ideal thing and whereby we've just seen, you know not even with Fafana. I mean obviously I mean I'm I'm just going off the last game, but I mean Fafana definitely does, does help that because he's very good aerially. We haven't even spoken about that transfer, which is yeah. crazy after an hour. But um, yeah, we, we literally saw last game whereby Che Adams was winning like every single aerial duel, whereas you know Thiago Silva and Koulibaly sh- struggled in that department. And um, I guess having that first centre back does help, and it was something that um, Chalabud was really good at last season in terms of winning those aerial duels. And mm. if you look at um, what we've lost you know, over the years in terms of, like having aerial threat, you know, it has really been um, a bit of a hindrance to like how we defend set pieces. Yeah. I don't know if you saw him, um, but there was like a moment where like um Tuchel was shouting at Anthony Barry um, on the sideline, which which was pretty funny. Cause I, I'd love to know what they were, what they were talking about, but yeah, that, that that was an interesting one. So so yeah, I mean, I don't mind the formation, but it's for me, it's more so about the players that are playing. If that makes sense, like I don't think you can play with like have it with, with certain players, you know, in, in terms of like combination. So if so- if too cool does you know adjust it long term it would be interesting to see who he does play but from what we've seen so far i do definitely think it's going to still be um a hybrid so what we saw yes what we saw yesterday in terms of like aspi was the right back but he was he also kind of like tucked in as well so playing that back like a back three but i don't really think that the four the back is like a a, a fixed thing you know in terms of like a formation um Okay, yeah, so I was just going to say, yeah, it's interesting to, about the, because I remember when we signed Thiago Silva, one of the things that it was like, okay, cool, he's strong in in most areas. If there's any area that he isn't the strongest at, not necessarily poor at, it is um, like winning aerial duels. And I think with Koulibaly, it's similar. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I remember there were stats that came out saying that it was one of the poorest that winning. I can't remember the stat, so I'm not going to say it, but it wasn't good. In terms of aerial duels, um, for Fana, um, definitely I remember statistically really good at aerial duels. He likes a challenge that way, which is cool. But it can't be just one person, and we have been conceding from set pieces, so it's a, definitely an area to watch. Um, uh, so yeah, so in that regard, it's cool. But Buzzy, I want to come to you on the structure. So we played um, a back four. I know a lot of people have been calling it for um, for a long time. What did you think about the switch to the back four? Um, open to it. Yeah, as you said, it's been it's been long demanded as the the one magic bullet that will solve our uh, our attacking issues. Just play a back four, and all of a sudden, you know, you have another forward, and everybody scores all the time. That's what that's what uh, that's what people have been saying. Now we did see it start off a little better. It did it did get us a goal early from a pretty a pretty decent move. Um, it didn't really like. I think immediately after that, you see what the downside is, and that just could be our squad makeup because we don't have the right players in midfield or defense that day to compensate, uh, which is probably true given Jorginho's deficiencies and also having to play Aspliqueta, having two other very old center backs, um, where like the transition got played through. There isn't an extra man either in midfield or defense uh, who's who's back and. We were exposed, and they scored. And I think after that, it really became a mental deficiency, which is unfortunate. I don't really know how to explain the 60 minutes or so after we conceded the first goal. It looked like they were a totally different team. We tried changing things to get back into it. Really didn't make much of a difference, which was what makes me think it was maybe more of a mental thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. From what I saw from the back four to start, I think it could work with the right team. I do think the attack was a little livelier. Um, people are kind of learning their place. Um, I'm not sure. I know Babs has pointed out a couple times. Sterling ends up central a little more than maybe some of us would like. But I think that's kind of a fluid interchange instruction because yeah. Havertz will suddenly be be drifting out wide. And that's how we got you know, we got the um, the goal. He drifted out wide. He slipped in Mount who ran through the center. And Sterling was on the other post to tap in. Um, yeah, I actually think that Sterling is the central guy. I don't even think yeah, it's... I think, yeah, he's not there all game, but I do think on paper, I think that's what yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's a central guy because Sterling himself said it. He said that I'm happy to play this role until we get a striker. And so that kind of let it slip that actually, whereas a lot of people think it's just, oh, we just want a striker now. I remember when Sterling said it what, ages ago, he was like, okay, until we get a striker, I'm happy to play this role. So I feel like it's something that's always been in the works, always been trying to get Aubameyang out of it, um, um, out of Barcelona. Um, and so I think now Aubameyang's here, he'll play that central role. Um, uh, in terms of the, the back four for me, I haven't been one that has pushed for it just because, and it's not because I don't like the back four or because I'm wedded to the 3-4-3, the three, three, but I think what I saw yesterday, whereas I prefer when we're comfortable, especially right now where we're not, do you know what I'm saying? It, maybe if we was um, winning or make I don't know maybe if it was more robust team then I don't mind Tuchel kind of fiddling with the formation but I just feel like with so much happening so many new players coming in you know there's so much newness that I just feel like we need things that we're used to to you know help the newness bed in um, and so I think some some of it maybe Tuchel would have played a three four three but we've again had centre back. Um, selection issues so maybe he was forced into playing a back four like last season I remember I think it was Crystal Palace game where he said that actually we didn't want to play back four but we didn't have enough centre backs for the back three Um, so maybe it was just that but I just feel like regardless of formation kind of what I the same point in terms of not trying to switch the players around too much I just want a lot more cohesion from our team and that means not necessarily switching formations really nearly switching personnel really nearly doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep it all the the same every single time but you know start with the same formation let the players like get together like get some consistency um in terms of what i saw back four wise i know that perhaps you alluded to it saying that it was more of a back three i disagree just because positioning wise um you'd i'd see when we're playing a back three the players shift a bit more centrally, where I think mm. this. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying like it, it was. It was like how we played before, whereby Ruben would play. But in, in terms of like how we would build up, Cucurella, yeah, you know, he would hold would, wide areas. Yeah, as he would tuck in as the third centre back. But my my point is that it was a little bit different because I feel like because we were playing a back four, what it meant was that even though it was that back three base, like you said, of Aspi and then Thiago Silva and Kulibaly as the uh, left centre back, Koulibaly was way more over towards the right because we were playing a back four. Whereas if he were playing that traditional back three, Koulibaly would be much uh, uh, further on the left with um, uh, with Kukurella. And and another thing I just think about that game is because of our midfield situation, um, Ruben Loftus Cheek had to play in the middle, and I think a really good attacking weapon for us this season has been. Ruben Loftus Cheek at right wing back, and then um, I'm just basically Reese and Ruben on that side, 
And I think having Aspie and Reese on that side kind of lessened that because that Ruben's been providing us with um, Ruben and Reese together, and I think that we kind of missed that a little bit. But but yeah, obviously it was it was a crazy game. I can't remember what happened. I can't lie. I can't remember what happened. I don't. Damn. I don't blame you because nothing, because <laughs> nothing you really happened. repressed that. <laughs> yeah, nothing I, happened. It was yeah. the most. I think that was non like non hyperbole. I think that was both the most depressing and dull Chelsea game I maybe have ever watched. I, mm. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. I'm sure that's that's not actually true. Yeah, it, 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 was, week, was it was up there. It was up there. Um, it was yeah, so look. like I couldn't believe what I was watching. Really, we were so listless and just. The energy was sapped. It, it really seemed largely mental, and I, that's all concerning in its own way. But we just never looked interested in getting back in the game after we conceded the first goal. Do, but do, do you know what it is? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. A lot of the time, when you have the belief that you have the people that can score goals, then the urgency is there. But I don't believe that we have belief in our attack in its current form. And, and that's why I believe when we go down, then everybody's like, ah, shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. we've and, seen it. We've seen the story before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so I think it's it's like anything. When you're on a winning run, shit takes care of itself because you like you're so confident that you're going to win. So like everybody's up for it. And I feel like um, it's going to be difficult. This is where you earn your your money as a manager because he has to figure out obviously what's wrong and then he has to make those those changes. Um, but we're playing West Ham next, and West Ham is a, a a bogey team for us and i just feel like i don't want to play with that right now yeah it's it's unfortunate i feel like no who do you want to play I just, uh, where's, I give me where's bournemouth and palace and uh and uh yeah yeah forest not, forest at <laughs> i want to play oh, yeah. even wanna forest play, i don't know man i want to play a big team because the big teams like they'll be mentally up for Apart from Man City, because they'll just slap. Right. slap yeah, that's all we have going yeah, for I, us. Is the, thing, the only big team we, we, we really did shop for consistently is Tottenham. Yeah, but there's a there's a Goldilocks zone. Obviously, Arsenal just slapped us at the beginning of the season, so maybe not them. To be fair, you're right, Babs. Listen, no matter what, it's going to be difficult. We're just not in good yeah. form. We don't have that confidence. But we can talk a little about, about Fafana, because Fafana's coming. Everybody was saying 80 million, 90 million, whatever. Apparently, it's just 69 million. No add on, all in. Um, does that make you feel happier? Because I know a lot of people are so worried about the fee, and and it, yes. you know, yeah, that makes you happier. Yes, I'm not happier. Okay, I'm all right, happier. all right. So, wh- how's your life going to change now that it's 69 and not 80 million? I mean, Dan, I mean, hey, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a couple more million up in it. You are a couple more million. <laughs> <laughs> if you are oh, pretty- man. I'm, 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 just, I'm just messing up, but no, I, I, I just would rather him not be a, a record B centre back. You know, I, I just, I just don't want to spend that much money on on um, the, the low centre back. But the six nine million, I feel like that's a lot more of a fair price for him, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I mean, listen, as much as I always say, I don't care about the money. It, it obviously matters, and there's going to be a lot more pressure because a lot of fans are going to do this, and that can get on players as much as. We like to think it's kind of like a vacuum and whatever. Players, like, Fafana's a social media guy. And so he can get affected when everybody's like, oh, most expensive player ever, and then they're going to do their foul comps and stuff like that. Um, so so I guess it's good for me. Personally, I don't care. Um, but 
I, I just I really don't he's not bothered. I just think it's I just think it like Bab said. It's just and and the points about the fail comps and the the oh, record I defender. Can't. It's just it's just something you don't need, and the fee is yeah. still fair. I honestly in this market, I'm not. Oh, comps still come. They get twisted. They will still come. Well, they'll still yeah, come. Oh yeah, they will. Of course, but less ammunition, and I guess that's what Buzzy's saying. They've got less ammunition to use. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Oh, the record defender, and you know, and and reporters do ask about that sort of thing to the player's face. Like they'll say, like your record defender does does that weigh on you? And even if the player says no, you know, they're thinking about it a little bit. Um, and I'm not surprised at all that the fee got as high as it did. But in this market, like, yeah, of course, of course it's that I think high. that's an amazing signing. I think yeah, that's an amazing fee. Especially he's on a seven-year deal. And I know Bowley's talked about apparently wanting to get players on these supposedly baseball-like contracts. Yeah. Um, where a seven-year fee, if the way things are amortized, the way things work with how, how clubs keep the fee on the books and split it across years, that fee... If he is as good as he should be and plays for a long time, you won't even re- you won't even remember it. Honestly, we've wasted we've wasted 40, 30, 50 million so many times at this point that like yeah. That's why that, I don't care. Yeah. Honestly, that's what that's what for me it's like uh, for me personally, and I know that I'm not telling you to uh, anyone to think like me, but I sometimes it feels like um, people think. I guess uh, people are more thinking about individual, but. People are like, no, we shouldn't spend a hundred million on this player, um, but they'll be happy if we bought a player for eighty million, and then we spent twenty million on some no-name youngster that might not ever make it. So we've still spent a hundred million, and it's like they don't care about the fact that we're spending a hundred million. But I guess it's all of the things that comes with a record breaker and a player arguing with your friends about how much players are worth and all of that type of stuff. Right, me, we signed we signed him for for seventy, basically. Let's call it, and then. We signed Cassady for 15, like, 20, whatever yeah. it was. That could have made the difference. He might not ever play for us. Like, this is what I'm saying. So this is for me because I look at it like that. Like I'm not necessarily Chelsea's financial guy. I don't care about how much we spend and all of that type of stuff. I know there's knock-on effects, and, but it's not my stress. I don't take Panadol for that. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so so for me, I'm, I'm happy to get the player. Again, I feel like, listen, so initially – I got age on my side, by the way. Let me start this my, my thing with that. But I got age on my side. But a long hold, time ago, hold that, Babs. We both have age on our side. We both have age on our side, yeah. But a long time ago, um, the biggest money was spent on twenty-eight year olds because they were like these are the guys that were in a peak. So we spend it on the twenty-eight year olds. But I always argue at that point, actually, there's so much value if you spend these that big money on young players because. Cristiano Ronaldo was going for 12.5 million, Robin going for like 12 million. All of these, some of the best young players in the world will go for like 10 million or whatever, whereas the top of the market was like 50 million at that point. Um, I remember we was linked with Neymar for 30 million and I was like, yes, go get him. Spend big money and 30 million back then was big money. Spend big money on, on Neymar because like all of the reasons that I don't have to tell anybody now, like with a 28 year old, you spend big money. It has to work straight away because there's not much time. With a younger player, and this is my whole point. With a younger player, when you spend big money on a younger player, the whole point is it doesn't have to work straight away. It's supposed to be you spent this money. Therefore, like you said, Fafana, seven year contract, seven years worth of Fafana. Do you know what I'm saying? And it means it doesn't have to bang straight away. What I've realized, which I didn't realize back then, is that fans will start saying, oh, 70 million player, therefore give me 70 million worth of value. I have tried to correct people on this in chats, Discord. Right. You are, if you don't understand at this point that 
let's say even Havertz, 70 million, yeah. whatever for him, yeah. that a large part of the cost baked into the fee is not what he's done. It's because he's 21 years old when you're right. buying him and you're buying right. potential. And maybe the potential doesn't always hit. That is the downside of trying yeah. to target the young talents is because yeah. buying a 28-year-old, you know exactly what they are, but yeah. you're, you're but, betting but, on the talent in the future. You, so but, like, but yeah. I always say this, just buzzy quickly. Yeah. Well, Lukaku at 28, we knew what he was. Yeah, supposedly. And, 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 so what, <laughs> and, so, and PSG bought the best player ever at Messi at an age that, do you know what I'm saying? That was supposed mm-hmm. to be experienced. And so my whole thing is all strike, all signings, you're signing potential because you don't know how they're going to work out for you. So you're signing on a potential of how they're going to work out for you. Now, so I just want to add that, but I agree with everything you're saying in terms of Lukaku and Messi. Um, again, you sign them, they're old. It's still potential. They're experienced. They've done Messi's best player ever. But at PSG, what they thought they were going to get they didn't get so it's still potential um and i i think what i was saying my whole point of that rent was i was wrong in terms of spending big money i wanted it to change because economically it made more sense where you spend big money on the younger players but what i've realized now is that it, it worked so well back in the day when young players went for cheaper because all of this pressure and all of this etc you have to do it now it didn't it wasn't placed on them. And so they were allowed to cook. Cristiano Ronaldo didn't have to be a hundred million or at that point, 50 million power player straight away. Neither did Robin. If they did, it, it was good. But if not, they still had the time to cook. Messi wasn't scoring the goals that he was scoring at 22 at, at 19. Do you know what I'm saying? None of them were. Like, a lot of like Vinicius, again, he's one of the ones that I look to, which is amazing in this era because he's at Real Madrid. He's not a small club and he wasn't scoring goals and assists and he was getting clowns for it. But luckily... He wasn't getting clowned like a Kai Havertz or do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't that bad. He was getting he was known for someone that was someone that wasn't scoring goals, but it wasn't that bad. But you can see what happens when you just let a player cook and let a player get used to playing first team football, then the numbers will come. I feel like people are demanding numbers out of the gate, using the big transfer fee to justify it. But the whole point of the big transfer fee is you don't have to justify it straight away. And we believe in the talent we think you can produce for us long term. Right. When you're done developing and when this team is, frankly, done developing, because I don't think we've given anybody, at least Chelsea was, a great platform uh, to maybe maybe mount <laughs> to, yeah, to exactly. contribute to exactly. our attack. So Exactly. And, and and I look at it like this. We signed maybe KDB for like 12 million. And even at 12 million, he didn't have the legitimacy to, to start playing straight away. Maybe if we signed him for 50 million, he would have got games straight away. But the whole idea is, People didn't think he was good. I know a lot of people say, oh, we all thought. No, people didn't think because I was there and I've got the tweets to prove it as well. People didn't think he was the world beater that um, Davisa, who signed him, Davisa said he's going to be one of, if not the best player in the world at the time. And that's why he told Roman to sign him. People didn't believe that. If we signed him for 50 million back then and he was playing or not, or not playing, um, and we signed him for all of that money because Mourinho just decides not to play him because he's not running around like Oscar and all that type of stuff. Then Chelsea fan would have killed him again the same way. But I feel like this is like if we if we keep uh, that KDB and he's fifty million, then down the line you get to see what he can produce. And I feel like uh, too much that people are trying to cash in in the first year, second year. I hear too often, and I, and this is for all players. I hear too often, oh, third year he's got to produce now. This is this is his season where this he is has it. To yeah, yeah, and I feel like. What has it come to? Like, 
people need to understand, and maybe it's a lot of these people are young, so they haven't seen like careers start and the full cycle from careers starting to careers ending. And I know 15 years in the scheme of things for like compared to other careers is a short time, but 15 years is a long time for a career. So I've heard people saying from like when he's 22, oh, Ruben's finished, Ruben's done. And everybody's seeing now, Ruben's had a second wind and you can get that second wind and that third win. And for me personally, as supporters and at a good club, you're supposed to be, if you believe in the talent, but you're supposed yep. to really, truly stick with these players, and then hopefully, it will it will matriculate later on. But yeah, that's I'll use I mean. I'll use Havertz as the example because, well, in part because I back him, but in part because he's taking a lot of this type of heat right now. It's like if you people the way they're talking sound like they want him to be run out of the team. Don't he shouldn't start again? Doesn't deserve it. Get rid. If he maybe this won't happen. We could be wrong. Um, maybe he doesn't live up to his potential, or is just mm. not suited for the for the Premier League. Whatever it is, maybe we were wrong. Because um, he has had bad moments, no doubt. But if he goes to another team, even if it's Bayern, and looks great, and is scoring goals again, uh, what, what are you going to say? Oh, yeah, wow, huh. <laughs> we should have held on to him. We paid the fee. Just You, you wanted to make it work out. You don't, if, if someone's not good immediately, think, they just get run, out of, they get run out of the team by our, by our fans. Now, now, now is a conversation about how long you're going to give a player. You know, like, mm-hmm. and then... I don't know. I, I don't know. For, for me, then it gets really blurry because then it's like, okay, you know, I like this place. I'm going to give them more time. I don't like this place. I'm going to give them less yeah, time. Yeah, I guess because then you open it up to like, subjectivity. Exactly. So then, then, yeah, exactly. You're, you're not you're not wrong, but... Because if, think... if let's, let's say we're bringing it... Because we're bringing it for far now for 70 million. You know, Dan, I know you're, you've been a really big fan of him as, as, uh, as early as probably anybody. And I'm guessing you probably believe that he can have an instant impact to the team, right? Dan? No? I'll I'll pretend that Dan said yes. So let's say he doesn't have the best of starts to, at Chelsea. Then, so what what would you say then? Would you say let's give him more time, whereby we're at a place whereby we we need a centre back now to come and have instant impact? You know, I don't know. I just feel like for me that's just too big of a risk. I'm not saying it's is wrong to what? wait for to ask for players to get time, but I don't know. I just I just yeah, feel you're like... you're not you're not wrong because conversely, I did think um, Havertz would have a quicker impact it doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's a given but it means it means it's po- <laughs> it means it's possible but if it doesn't happen don't don't give up on them within uh, you know yeah not a fast amount of time but i can't i can't lie because i know that a lot of people ask me about kai Havertz, but I, I literally remember saying when we was buying them this is a player that hasn't found consistency at Bayer leverkusen he's always been at Bayer leverkusen and he's in his hometown and so what i saw with Kai wasn't necessarily someone that is going to come and be amazing straight away. Um, but I was saying that he will show you glimpses of what he could do. Like, again, um, I think I've mentioned this a few times, but he was linked with Real Madrid for 80 million the season before we bought him. That didn't happen. It didn't materialise. And then he had, like we all know, um, or anecdotally, because I'm sure obviously most people didn't watch, but he had a stinking first half of the season. And a lot of the Bayer Leverkusen fans were jeering him, saying 80 million shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he was saying, like, this is a player that's supposed to be 8 million and he didn't have a good season. Um, And obviously being linked with him, this is why I was so bang on the idea of we should have a player that's good at through balls in the team. Just because one of the reasons why, like, Kai picked up is because he was able to do the runs and he had people that were supplying him. Um, and he could operate a little bit deeper and then just, you know, make the runs. And and that's kind of what he excelled at. So my whole hope was that 
after, like after seeing how his story panned out in Germany, people knew how to kind of give him the best home because again, it's not a player that's oh, it's he's been consistent in Germany, um, and now he's just not finding consistency in England. No, he struggled with that in Germany too, and so I feel like anyone that thought that he could come to Germany um, from being someone that wasn't a, like a regular performer there and being a regular performer here straight away, I think they were wrong to think that. But I was always, and this is kind of what I sold, I said, listen, he'll show you glimpses of what he could do, but we it needs to be patience. And as a whole cobham, we're going to give these young players time, etc. I thought at that time, okay, cool, it makes sense. But I just feel like so often this fan base has shown us they're not patient. They're, I feel like the the fan base is so in love with the idea of potential, but as soon as it come, they come to a team, shit hits the fan. They want it now. Um, okay, Dan, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. So yeah. then the question comes: So how, how long is too long, and how long do we have to give him? You know, in terms of a for team me, that's wanted so, to. So for me, it's, it's it's not. For me, it's not about it. For me, I always say that essentially, the way you build your teams and. Again, it depends on what state you're coming to the teams. But ideally, what you want to do is you want to find people you can rely on, right? Um, in each different... Well, so attack midfield, so we're talking about attack. You want When we had Hazard, et cetera, et cetera, you want to find people you can rely on. And then whilst you've got those people to rely on, I think it's important to have a space for that a project player to get on their feet. Um, and again, when people say projects, I know people are going to think of youth, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's kind of similar to when Liverpool bought Diaz. I know it was just six months, but they, they realised straight away, oh, Mane, someone that we're relying on, is not signing the contract. We need to bring someone in who's, again, Diaz isn't 19, but you don't know how he's going to do. So my whole idea is once you've got players you're relying on, then you bring a project in. A project could be a young player. A project could be a new signing or whatever. But at the like we've just said earlier... Messi went to PSG, he's potential too, because you don't know how he's going to do at PSG. You're potentially buying what he's going to do. You bring that a new player in, you don't know how they're going to adjust. You don't know. Some some players might come in and do amazing or whatever. But I, I believe as much as possible, what you should do, and this is why buying the stopgap signing, etc., like Aubameyang, he's like, we don't know. He, like Buzzy said, um, that the latter end of his time at Arsenal, he wasn't scoring goals. So we hope that for most of his career, he's shown that he scores goals, but maybe he doesn't score those goals. His potential, but we hope the hope is that hopefully Aubameyang could be someone that we, we can we can rely on. Sterling can be someone we rely on. Then there's a spot for me. The way that I think about it, then there's if you've got those two reliable players, you've got a spot to bring someone along. Um, and that's just kind of how I operate. And what it means is because you've got two people you rely on, then there's no pressure. Uh, they have to get it done by now. They have to get it done by now. And then essentially, when that other player moves out, hopefully, then you can bring them forward. It's like, I, and that's just because of how I've seen it done. Whereas Van Nistel, who was carrying that attack, and they're like, okay, cool, Van Nistel's not going to stay around forever. Let's bring in uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo gets a little bit of time. And then it's like, okay, actually, now we can, sorry, Rooney gets a lot of time. Then Rooney kind of proves himself. Yeah. Like, okay, we can rely on this player. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's bring in the next player. And then th that's kind of how you do it. But I think um, with Chelsea, because maybe um, we've got so much money and and people kind of look at new players, maybe older players as like, so he's like Lukaku will come in and be that person we can rely on where Lukaku for me is a project too. 
we've got projects all over the place. And that's why I feel like we kill our youngsters. Because if Havertz was here, and let, let's say like Havertz was playing with Mane and Salah, Firmino had all that space because there was two people to rely on. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the reason why we kill our players is because, yes, Chelsea fans want to win now. But the problem is they've got no one, to, there's no one to rely on. And so Oba, at this point, if he is a guy that's scoring week in, week out, and if maybe Sterling can chip in with goals, that will take the pressure off. But the only other issue is then we've got Mount, who's got obviously Mount there. We've got Havertz there. We've got so many different players there. So I just feel like the makeup of our squad is so messy. But in, in, in just like a, um, a short answer to your question, I don't think there needs to be a ticking time clock on it because you just don't know. I just feel like you commit to players really and truly. You should say, okay, this is the third space. We commit to you. And then you, you rock and roll with it until you're pretty sure that this guy isn't the guy. Like with Werner, Werner. Yeah, especially in the context of the, I mean, you've, you've alluded to this, but really doubling it down, like the, the context of the team as it stands, none of the attack is functioning. It's not like we're plugging Kai into this like well-oiled machine and he's the only one who can't, who can't like get it together. It's, it's a clearly a work in progress in general. Um, the structure's changing, the players are changing, uh, the midfielders are changing, the wingbacks are changing. Like, it, no, it's no wonder, really, no one player looks tremendous. But to act like he's the outlier, like a flop talent-wise in a team that largely... And yes, he is starting, so he is, he is part of the issue to a degree. But it's not, it's not a surprise, like, oh, well, he's the, he's the odd one out. He, can't, he doesn't have the skill or the ability to, to play in this yeah. team. And I think I think that he's. I'll check my under app, but I think that he started the season um, poorly again. Um, I think he's started. I feel like he's. I I put it in the group chat. I think he has been one of our worst players, and but that was before the last game. Um, but I think that's kind of like yeah, he did. Uh, I think yeah. So I, I I think he started poorly again. So it's not to say that he hasn't been playing poorly, but again, I think he's had a little moment. Uh, I think Spurs game he played well. Um, and I think was it the did he do something good in the in the last game? Yeah, he um, uh, to me it depends who you ask because some people we yeah. shouldn't count we shouldn't count pre assists some some would yeah. say but no he he drifted wide he he cut in at the right time and he played a not short a pretty good through ball right into Mount's path for him to tap across the Sterling so uh, I mean if you're not going to call that a good play for an attacker just because it's missing from the goals and assists column. Then I don't know right, but this is. So I, I think. I think generally, what people do, and I think maybe a lot of us can admit it, but a lot of people, once you've made your mind about a player, if they do, you don't want to change it. Yeah, but also you, you're not necessarily going to give them credit for doing something right. Um, and because if that's a player, if that's a player you rate, you say, "Oh, that all came through so and so." But if it's yeah. a player you don't rate, you say, oh, we count pre-assists now as like contributions. Right. So, But I, I just think there is a lot of mess um, mm-hmm. at Chelsea right now. And I think um, even if we were to like, we've got Ober in, we've got Sterling in, if they're to be two regulars, and maybe we do play 4-2-2, so maybe there's still space for a mount and a Havertz, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if we have players that we can rely on now, I think that will take the pressure off the younger or the players that aren't as reliable at this point. Um, but I still feel like there's, I have to see at the end of the window, I still feel like there's a lot of heads, which means that um, people aren't going to fulfil their potentials without that regular platform. Yeah, I, and I know also the midfield is a big part of our current issues, and we didn't talk a lot about it other than the the, the people we're targeting. 
it was a big it was a big problem last game. We could debate Jorginho probably for a whole separate podcast. Um, but well, I know people are probably thinking, what about the midfield? That was a big issue last game. I know it was injuries. We 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 you know we touched on it. Um, that is a whole different thing, and I think frankly we're going to get whatever stopgap signing it is, and then re rebuild or re. I don't know, structure the midfield as it stands next season. I think that's, they were trying to hold on to the starters yeah. we have. Um, and the attack is its own work in progress, but the midfield does need to be yeah. to be sorted too. Yeah, so I think even work in progress is a good uh, title for this because I know that this audio is, is messy as hell, so it's going to need a lot of editing. Maybe even <laughs> more than our squad. But uh, Bab, did you want to touch on anything else before you close? Um, no, I think I think that's a good way to end it. Um, it's going to be a bit of a rough ride of a season, but you know that's Chelsea. You know we we we've been through worse. We'll see better days. I, yeah. I don't I don't think we're going to win the title either way. Is what I'll say. So mm. I mean, let's. I'm not, out. Hey, listen, I've never. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm thinking about just getting European football at, at this stage. Of, no, I know. I, me too now, but I'm saying even coming into the season at my optimistic, I didn't think we were going to win the title. So if worst comes to worst, we're finding out which players are good enough, aren't good enough, what the squad's going to look like in the future. I mean, all right, if we get top yeah. four, I guess that's what's no, happening. My take on it, I, I'm going to let um, the dust settle. I feel like, I think the reason why maybe uh, people say I'm too patient or I'm too calm or whatever but I just feel like I don't think people appreciate the flux that has happened. The amount of players, don't forget, we're not just managing the initial games of the season. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And so for me, I just always, I love when the window closes because you can kind of assess your competition squads. You can assess your squad. Do you know what I'm saying? And then everything can kind of settle down as well. And so, yeah, I can't wait for this window to close. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of just see how things kind of you know calm down and how how the dust settles. Things change quickly, right? Arsenal in crisis now; they're looking good. United, a joke to start the season. Hold on, they beat Liverpool, and now they're they're playing right now, and they they're winning. So oh, they're winning as well. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, yes, yeah, we'll leave it. You there. never know. You never know. We'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. He done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. Sports Social Podcast Network.